What's up, guys? Pete Mundo. Thanks for checking out the radio show that we flip into a podcast for you. Appreciate that a lot. And do not forget, if you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie to keep that beer cold this fall, all I ask you to do is leave a rating, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And then send me an email of that rating and review, a screenshot of the uh, rating and review, to Pete Mundo, that's M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And I'll get the koozie in the mail. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Closer towards the season, and I figure, you know what? Uh, when you want to talk college football, these guys do as good of a job as you can ask for. And he is Dan Rubenstein joining us, the Solid Verbal Podcast, one of my go-tos just for college football in general. And we appreciate him joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com. I'm Pete Mondo, your host. All right, Dan, uh, your Big 12 podcast, your Big 12 preview, actually coming out this week. So just give me your your general state of the state with the Big 12 and where you think this conference is heading into 2019. I think it's in a great place because there's a lot of uncertainty, but in a a pretty intriguing way, a lot of new faces in a pretty exciting way. Uh, You know, I think it starts obviously with Oklahoma and what they're able to do, bringing in grad transfer quarterback and a new defensive coordinator, you know, the hype in Austin. I am as anybody who listens to this week's Big 12 preview on the Solid Verbal will find out, I am very excited, probably to an unhealthy degree, by Iowa State and Brock Purdy. Just mm-hmm. having rewatched some Cyclone games and knowing what they bring back, even with what they lose, I'm I'm pretty juiced on the clones. Um, and then just really the uncertainty around the new coaches. What does you know West Virginia look like? What does Kansas State look like? As they both are in a decent enough place with new coaches, also Texas Tech with a, a new pass-happy offense. I don't think the transition will be that extreme. So in terms of storylines, in terms of quarterbacks, in terms of uh, what the national perception could be, I, I would be pretty excited to watch the Big 12 this year. Well, uh, Dan, let me ask you. I, I'm with you. I think the Big 12 championship game is going to be Oklahoma and Iowa State. And I know OU Texas Boom. is the popular pick, but I mean, I'm all over the Cyclones. What do you like so much about this program right now? So it's what I like about most programs on a, on a high level. It's what does your combination of defense and quarterback look like? And I really don't love the answers I'm getting outside of Iowa State in the conference. You know, if Oklahoma plays again to a historically great level on offense, sure, they can deal with an underwhelming defense. Will that be the case with Jalen Hurts? I don't think so. I think they'll still be good on offense. I just don't think, you know, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield are all-time college football greats, not just OU greats, um, with what Texas has to replace on defense, with you know what they lose in, in losing Lil' Jordan Humphrey. And I understand, obviously, Iowa State loses its own huge receiver in Hakeem Butler, but there's something about that combination of quarterback and defense that you, you look around the conference at the, the, the powers of the Big 12, be it West Virginia, be it the Oklahoma schools, and there's either a quarterback battle, there's uncertainty, or there are huge questions outside of Iowa State. I don't think the ceiling is crazy high with the clones, but I still love that combination. Yeah, I'm with you there. Dan Rubenstein, join us. The Solid Verbal Podcast is uh, as good as it gets for the entire college football landscape. All right, Dan, you know, you talk about Texas. It seems like you have some concerns there. They get to the 10-win mark last year, the Big 12 championship game. They beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. There's all the hype around Texas. Is it too much too soon? 
it's it's probably too much hype considering what they lose and in terms of returning production they win the big games which is important obviously you beat oklahoma you beat georgia last year two playoff caliber teams it's a great place to be as a program now they lose on they lose guys on defense this was a defense that struggled especially getting pressure on the quarterback consistently stopping the pass getting off the field and you know pulling out games that i mean they they end up pulling out a couple games whether it's uh the Kansas State game or the Baylor game that they should more comfortably win. Those are the games I'm worried about. I'm not necessarily worried about the Longhorns in Red River or the Longhorns, you know, against maybe West Virginia, but with what they have to replace on defense, do they drop one of those close calls that they shouldn't? And I have to wonder with, you know, the loss of a huge playmaker, little Jordan Humphrey, the loss of uh, what they lose on defense. And then offensively, Sam Ellinger is great. It's not a question to me if he's one of the, the better quarterbacks in the country, not just the Big 12, but can they be more balanced with Keontae Ingram? Can they get a little bit more creative going downfield? What, what does this offense look like against some of the better defenses on their schedule? That starts in week two. We should have some answers with, uh, with the Horns hosting LSU, but there's just, I don't know, there's something about Texas and that lack of week-to-week focus that, you know, Luckily, they don't have Maryland this year, but who's, who's this year's Maryland? I, don't, I can't help but wonder. No, that's a great point. Um, you know, Dan, I, I've asked many of our guests in recent weeks this, so I'd be curious to get your opinion. you got four new head coaches in this conference, obviously. Uh, KU with Les Miles, K-State with Kleiman, West Virginia's Neil Brown, Texas Tech's Matt Wells. But not who you think is going to have the most success off the bat, but who are you most intrigued by as the new head coach in the Big 12? I think I'm most intrigued by Neil Brown. I think I'm most intrigued by the fact that West Virginia gets somebody who has built up a program from a lot less of what, what where West Virginia is right now. I like the hire of Vic Caning at defensive coordinator. I like the stream of talent that's come to Morgantown, especially from Florida. Um, and one of the things I love about what Troy accomplished with Brown is that they were disciplined, that they were not a mistake-prone team, that even though they didn't have a huge offense, that they didn't kill themselves with penalties. And in a, in a pretty wide-open conference year-to-year, even though Oklahoma seems to be dominating things, West Virginia becoming more disciplined and you know playing with a more unpredictable defense than they've been in the past couple of years with Tony Gibson, I think to me could pay off pretty huge for the Mountaineers. That, that's the hire that I think is the, the most solid for a decade of all the new guys right now considering the potential of the Mountaineers. Do you think, though, do you think Neil Brown's a long-term fit there? Is he going to jump for a a mediocre SEC job if that opportunity were to come his way? It's possible, but I think a number of coaches might do the same from where, I mean, I don't know if Texas Tech is necessarily the the destination job if something in the SEC or the Big Ten comes around. I don't necessarily think Kansas State is that for Chris Kleiman, even with his connection to Gene Taylor. Um, so I think any of these jobs, I think West Virginia is probably more of a destination than the other recently filled jobs in the Big 12 because of the, the ceiling, what we've seen from the Mountaineers, winning the Orange Bowl, you know, threatening the Big 12 later into November. I just, West Virginia is a really, really nice job. I know there's uncertainty geographically with the conference at times, but mm-hmm. I, I think he is the most likely guy to uh, – to, to feel like the best fit long-term, even if long-term in college football in 2019 means half a decade, hmm. uh, I feel best about the prospects of him reaching his ceiling. Very interesting. Dan Rubenstein's joining us. Uh, Solid Verbal Podcast does great work over there. Dan, you know, you're bringing up, and I'm kind of reading between the lines here, but you have your question marks about Oklahoma. You like Iowa State, obviously. Some questions about Texas. 
Uh, this is a conference, thanks to OU, that's made the playoff the past couple of seasons. Uh, are we at the point, though, this year with a conference that is very deep and is much tighter than it's been where the Big 12 could end up on the outside looking into the college football playoff? 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's as somebody who follows the Pac-12 pretty closely growing up in Southern California and going to Oregon, I, I don't think the Pac-12 is a perfect example because they had some pretty serious issues that I don't think the Big 12 has, at least not this season. But... With where Oklahoma's defense is and you know the injury to Caleb Kelly certainly hasn't helped at linebacker, this was a, a pretty historically bad defense for Oklahoma. So if Alex Grinch can get the Sooner defense to simply below average, they're in an okay place. Mm-hmm. But that's going to take some work with the secondary, with the lack of a, like a, of a pass rush. And, you know, and going back through the numbers and looking at some of the results, if Alex Grinch, and I make this point on the show, if he can get back to like mid-era Mike Stoops, <laughs> that's a pretty big win for Oklahoma, as weird as that might sound for, for Sooner fans. And then look around the conference and, you know, how leaky Oklahoma State was defending the run last year, even though I think we anticipate some fun things with Sean Gleason and whoever wins the quarterback job in Stillwater with the questions that we went through with Texas, with TCU having – you know, a lot of okay quarterbacks in that room, but nobody that really jumped out as being, you know, ready and healthy and, and able to sort of lift this program to double digits again, even though it's that flip-flop year where they should win double digits, mm-hmm. the Frogs should. And then, you know, Tech has its own questions on defense, even as much as they've improved. And so there's nobody that stands out as ready to, to make that leap if Oklahoma falls, like there might be with other conferences. So Oklahoma needs to get to the point on defense where – Maybe they're not stopping teams, but they're turning over teams more often than they have been, and they're running the ball really well with that duo of running backs and giving the defense some rest. And even though they'll drop one, that's the only one they drop because they're able to sort of cover up for their defensive deficiencies. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, Dan Rubenstein's joining us here. All right, so Dan, we haven't touched on this team, and I'd be curious to know if you think that they are a dark horse, and that's the Baylor Bears. Uh, you know, sure. they, they made the leap from one win to seven. Uh, Matt Rule keeps getting – I mean, the guy got NFL calls after winning one game at Baylor. He seems to be a hot commodity uh, despite the fact that some people say he's only had limited success so far. But, you know, he's made a big jump. Uh, What are we to make of Matt Rule and and what is building there in Waco? He's done a phenomenal job. There's there's no question about what he's done in Waco. And I think surface level, they've replenished the talent pretty well. Obviously, when you can build around a quarterback as promising as Charlie Brewer – uh, I still really like Denzel Mims. They're going to miss Jalen Hurd. I think the big problem with Baylor right now is they can, if some of the new coaches need more time than we anticipated, they can get to seven, eight wins. They can't afford injuries pretty much anywhere. They don't have the depth on defense. You know, they have parts on defense, but I don't think they have fully completed players that teams like Oklahoma, teams like, you know, Texas potentially, even though they didn't score that much last year. They can pour it on Baylor if a linebacker and a defensive lineman go down and there are players to pick on on this Baylor defense. But the job he's done has been nothing short of fantastic. They just need more. They need more depth. They need more time to get used to Big 12 offenses. And good for for Matt Rule and his staff for adapting the way that they have offensively, that even though they were this power team when they were at Temple, they've opened things up. They've recruited speed pretty well. They've identified three-star kids with four-star potential. And... uh, Baylor's going to be 
almost like what Texas Tech was early on in Mike Leach's career. Even if they're seven and five, eight and four, they're just a, a crazy annoying thorn for everybody. I like that comparison, uh, Dan. You know, obviously, you cover the entire college football landscape. As we get ready for this season, where does the Big Twelve uh, fit in in the Power Five hierarchy right now? Big 12 right now, to me, is probably behind the SEC and the, the Big 10 just because of the uncertainty at the top. You know, Oklahoma and Texas have the talent to be playoff contenders, obviously, with how Texas finished out 2018. Um, but I like more teams in the SEC and the Big 10 at the top. I think they're going to be more big games with national stakes in those conferences. The Pac-12 is more TBD, and the ACC had an almost historically weird upper-class year in or upper middle class year in 2018 with what Louisville, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, Florida State, um, all all struggling, Miami struggling, especially at the end. So the ACC is such a huge question mark with Clemson and then everybody else. So the fact that the Big 12 to me has two and a half to three teams who could hang with pretty much anybody in the country, I think has them ahead of the ACC and Pac-12. But uh, but I think still squarely behind the Big Ten and the SEC. You know, it's it's really interesting, Dan, and I'm sure you know you have Pac-12 ties, as you mentioned. Um, you may have seen the piece; it was uh, David Ubbin wrote it in the Athletic about just how the Pac-12. Obviously, we know almost ten years ago now destroyed the Big Twelve uh, by taking Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State. It did not happen. How much, just for for our Big Twelve listeners, how much is the Pac-12? struggling right now from a monetary standpoint on the field how bad is sure it's bad in that the pac-12 has to do one very specific thing well to to get national attention and that is have an exciting team at the top not just have a team that's playoff caliber at the top like washington was a couple years ago but have an exciting team at the top uh pete carroll at usc type team at the top a Chip Kelly and, to a lesser extent, Mark Helfrich, Oregon team at the top, where there's, there's a national brand in the way that all of these major conferences have it. But the Pac-12 is an hour, two hours, three hours behind a lot of the major college football time zones. And so having a, a big mess of middle-class teams might be fun week in, week out for competitive games. But if they don't have, you know, uh, at the end of the year, you know, the USC-UCLA game has huge stakes. So they don't have you know, Oregon, Washington with big stakes or Oregon, USC with big stakes, you know, with, you know, I remember I was at the game in 2011, LeBron James was in Eugene, Oregon for Oregon, USC. If they don't have those types of heavyweight games at the top, everything falls down. You don't get the attention in the college football playoff. You you get the the questions of like, what is wrong with the PAC 12? And then there's a, a bigger spotlight on little things that have gone wrong in the conference that get turned into bigger things, whether it's payouts, whether it's, the Pac-12 network, there are no huge games on the Pac-12 network, but everybody says, oh, well, they're not on DirecTV, so it's a failure. Like, no, that's not necessarily the, ca- the case, but it gets magnified because they're not performing on the big stage. They don't perform, you know, Washington loses to Auburn to start the year. Uh, you have these, like, these little things that, like, everybody starts ignoring the conference because when they're on that big stage, they haven't performed these last few years, at least since I guess Oregon destroyed Florida State in the in the Rose Bowl in twenty. I think it's January twenty fifteen. Wow. Well, it's really interesting insight, Dan. And I know you uh, also are working on a couple things here. You have the Solid Verbal podcast. You also are doing something yeah. on rivalries. And what do you have going on with OU Texas? Yeah. So uh, I also host a podcast called Sports Wars for for Wondery, a big network out in, on the West Coast. 
And each, we're going through, we have a bunch of arcs of sports rivalries. So we started out with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. We've done Rafael Nadal and Roger Federer. And with college football season starting, uh, last week we started the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Florida, Georgia. So three episodes sort of detailing and taking a deep dive into their history and some of the the weirder stories of the rivalry. And then next week we're doing three episodes on Red River. So Texas, Oklahoma, and the sort of background. I'm actually in the middle of recording an episode as we speak, and it's been it's been fun going back through Daryl Royal and Bud Wilkinson and now Barry Switzer and just you know stealing signs and you know turning the the, the rivalry on its head. All sorts of fun stories uh, throughout the year. So it's cool. It's it's an easy listen. They're about a half hour each, and you know I, I accept this. It's a good way to kill some time. If you're on a road trip, if you're on a plane, if you're doing some chores. Sports Wars works really well for it. Well, Dan, looking forward to checking that out. Really appreciate you joining us for a few minutes here, and we'd love to do it again once the season gets going. Absolutely. My pleasure. Great to have Dan Rubenstein on the show. Appreciate his time a lot. And uh, once again, please leave us a rating, review, subscribe, and we'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you got to do is email me a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm sending these things out every week, uh, thanks to you guys. And I want to send out more. I want to thank you for listening. So have a great week, guys. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you soon.